This is going to be a little bit different episode. It's going to be a solo app because uh, I had a uh, actually attempted to record or thought I had recorded a fantastic app with a great guest on Thursday night. And then on Friday at lunch, I thought, oh, I'll just have a listen to this and realized that I very embarrassingly had not pressed record on Zoom. So, yeah, it was a a low point, uh, and the the first squall that the deep wrecks boat has hit. And we put the mast in the water, but I've slowly recovered, and I think I was just too shell shocked. So, uh, yeah, it was a. I'm gonna try and try and woo her figure out some way to get her back on so we can re-record at some point but I was too shell-shocked to even yeah do anything but now it's been I don't know three days and I'm semi-recovered and yeah um but actually have uh the next three episodes already scheduled with the guests and they've filled out my little google sheets and Everything should be good. Uh, so yeah, um, but anyhow, uh, moving on from that rather somber note, I today am going to go over my movies, overall movies. So uh, my favorites, and then my hidden gems. Uh, what am I wearing today, folks? Okay, so I'm wearing uh, Chanel and Teus, which. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I I thought I just sort of kind of liked it. wasn't a huge fan. My wife got it for me for Christmas, and I was looking for a fragrance to gift to a friend for his birthday, who I don't know whether he's into scent or not. And I thought, well, I don't want to get him Antaeus. That's too boring. I want to get him something different. So I actually bought Poor Monsieur, Monsieur, and I don't think I actually love it that much because uh, I wanted to get it for him. Him something Chanel Sycamore is a kind of a female fragrance, I guess. So, I guess I will just go ahead and get a Manteus and actually like Manteus better than this new one. But maybe I'll maybe I'll grow into it. It's got a great bottle. Um, and I, I bought it, I bought that Paul Marchand because it's uh, one of Luca Turin's like top 10 masculine scents. Uh, but yeah, uh, what's my relationship with Epiridis Danellis? I've read some of his books. I think I'll just skip that, and I'll just I've I've kind of bled that into the other episodes. I'm I'm all warmed up and I'm ready to go. I've made some notes here about these different films of what I want to say, but I'm sure as soon as I hit stop recording, I will uh, remember lots of other things. But um, so yeah, I guess I am realizing that the more people I speak to on this podcast, that I have quite boring tastes or just uh i don't know um i'm not edgy tastes i have very like uh 
I don't know, I, I really kind of like movies that kind of stay in the box and just kind of succeed within the traditional boundaries of of movie making. You know, I see the whatever the movies that people pick out in the criterion closet that the you know the filmmakers and everything are just like oh god you know um most of the time they're i don't know too edgy for me and uh yeah so anyhow th this is going to be a very uh i don't know this may i might be uh outing myself as a not having interesting taste in movies but uh so so be it and can't can't help what we're born um so my number five favorite movie, and a lot of these are movies, obviously, I think is a lot of people, folks, where you just have listened, have seen them many, many times. Uh, and that's definitely the case here, because number five is It's a Wonderful Life, which I would have seen so many Christmases and, and things like that, and then just by reputation. But I mean, I, th I think, and this is going to be a reoccurring theme for me, but so many every so many lines in this movie are are perfect and worth repeating um it's it's so amazingly maybe the most wholesome movie ever donna reed is amazing jimmy stewart is amazing so many great character actors uh yeah i should probably go faster because these are everybody knows it's a wonderful life but i guess the thing that's interesting is that like it gained prominence because um I don't know, it, it like went into the commons or somehow it like became like public domain. Like, I don't, I don't know whether they just, it wasn't a hit. And so the studio didn't like renew their, I don't it wouldn't be copyright, but whatever. They didn't renew whatever it needs. And so it was free for NBC and all these different television stations to air. So they would just slap it on. And so then people just kept, were watching it because it was just on the air all the time because it was free. And it became a favorite because it was, it, was it was a dud when it was released. So number four is uh, Lawrence of Arabia, 1962. It's 227 minutes long. It's a two taper. Uh, the first time I saw it, we were at the library. We used to just go to the library and get videos all the time. That was, we hardly ever went to the video store. Um, and so that's why I guess I saw a lot of, I was raised on a lot of really old movies and musicals and stuff like that. And maybe never outgrew those. Uh, but my mom, <laughs> my mom just handed it to me. I was like, what are we going to get? We need, I get, I got to get a movie. I want to get a movie for the weekend. And she just handed me Lord of the Rings. I was like, what is this? And she's like, you'll like it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, lo I love it. I loved it. If you had said it was my favorite movie, I could probably go with it as my favorite. But, um, you know, I think Peter O'Toole, I, I think that these, my picks here, my number one, two, and this, and then maybe throw in uh, Henry Higgins from Dr. Doolittle. Uh, or not Dr. Doolittle, sorry. Um, that's Eliza Doodle, uh, Henry Higgins from My Fair Lady. And from the men in these movies, I just was like, okay, that's what it means to be a man. And that's that's how I should go about life. Uh, probably much to my detriment. Um, but yeah, Peter O'Toole is just amazing looking in every shot of this movie. That'd probably be like the best looking person in cinema ever in this movie. Alec Guinness is great as Prince Faisal. And obviously Omar Sharif. Um, I actually had one of my best mates that I used to work with 
back in the US I introduced him and made him watch this movie and then like I don't know a year later or something we were chatting and I was like what what is your favorite movie and he's like Lawrence of Arabia and I was like okay nice <laughs> nice nice work nice work me uh, number three is uh, Annie Hall 1977 uh, soon to be followed by another 1977 movie on this list um, you know what I mean people have been hating on Woody Allen uh, since I first heard of him, I remember driving to basketball practice with a friend's mom who is, uh, you know, actually super sharp and I really actually respect her opinion. And she was, she was ragging on Woody. She didn't like Woody Allen then. So, but I, I don't know. It's not the type of thing that I'm going to like argue with somebody I know. Uh, I need to have a long chat with at Meta Nomad and try and bring him around because he is a, doesn't like Woody Allen and I just... I just had to let it pass, but it's one of those things where, like with, if you don't like Mad Men, I kind of just have to walk out of the room. I, I don't, I can't really, I can't really talk about it. Um, but uh, where to start? I mean, obviously Diane Keaton is awesome. Um, you know, it has Jeff Goldblum saying, I can't, on the telephone saying, I, I can't remember my mantra. Uh you know, that's the way the way I feel about life. He feels about life is the way that the women at the resort feel. The, the food about the food, um, and yeah, as a as like a not a city kid or not even a suburban kid, you know, like this is my first brush with uh, you know Freud and culture and and probably Ingmar Bergman. And, um, I don't know, I think there's a lot of compare, I think there's a lot of interest ways that I, in my head, compare Bob Dylan and Woody Allen, where if you take a step back and really analyze them, like, how smart actually are they, um, how deep of knowledge do they actually have, uh, maybe not, maybe not that deep, but they're the only ones doing what they do and the only ones that care to talk about these references and the only ones that, I mean, yeah, I don't know, like how is what he's got his movies funded, you know, he's, he's made movies with making jokes about Freud. I mean, is he, I don't know. He's, his, his recent book is his autobiography is definitely worth looking into. Um, and I, I say in my solo pod review of that, that I, I feel really bad after, after reading that, it just seems it's obviously one-sided, but I feel so bad that I ever didn't fully, I mean, I wasn't in that many conversations about Woody Allen, but I've, you know, I felt like shame and I've, oh God, you know, I have to separate the artist and the art. You know, you don't have to, I don't think you have to separate anything with Woody Allen. He didn't, he did nothing wrong. He's the victim of the most heinous, ridiculous accusations by a deeply troubled woman. Um, according if you if if what he says in that autobiography is true which it seems like it seems like there's not enough outside corroboration that it is true um i was a little bit screaming at my phone during the red scare pod when they talk about it saying that oh yeah no he hasn't made he's only made a couple of good movies recently and it's like i mean how it was released i mean you got vicky christina barcelona you got what is it paris at midnight midnight in paris You've got Matchpoint, um, 
which is like uh, super interesting. Uh, Kate Winslet actually, in the autobiography, says Kate Winslet pulled out of Match Point just like weeks before shooting, and they scrambled and then replaced her with Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> and the rest is history. Um, so, and the only thing, and he had seen Ghost World and liked her, but I don't think she was in much between prominent before between uh, before Match Point. Um, so yeah, I, I think Meta Nowhere was complaining that it didn't like him because he was saying like, oh, look, I'm smart, I'm clever. Well, if, I don't know, mate. I'm sorry, I'm not saying mate, mate is such a derogatory thing to say, but it's, it's like a passive-aggressive thing to call somebody mate, I think, when you're getting flustered. Um, but like, I, I like thing even if it's faux clever or faux smart, I, I mean, it's the closest thing. Who el who else is like, who else is clever and smart? If, I mean, if there's someone that's better, I will, but I, I will, I will flock to them. Um, but, uh, he, uh, yeah, um, please, please tell me. Um, I, I don't know. I like, I'm sorry. I like dialogue. I don't like, I, I like dialogue over, um, you know, faux uh, uh, profundity. Uh, there's so much pseudo profundity out there. It's not EPL. It's not. It's like, it, yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, Dasha was totally right, and I've never heard anyone else bang the drum for Melinda. Melinda, but Melinda, Melinda is I think is pretty great. It's not on my. It's not on my um, deep wrecks. It's not on my hidden gems just because uh, I, it's been so long since I've seen it and I've actually tried to keep them to films that I've recently seen. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're looking for one that, and it's completely ignored. I actually, back when I used to have my blogger blog, I blogged hard. Uh, well, not that hard, but that, it was on my um, whatever. It was my number one underrated movie of the 2010s. And uh, it's got Schwedel Ejiofor in it. He's great in it. Um, and then I was like, why the hell is he not in anything else? And then I guess I've, I've never seen Twelve Years a Slave, but um, I just wasn't I wasn't up for whatever the whipping scenes or I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want if you want some Schwedel Ejiofor, which he's in hardly anything, it seems like um, definitely check out Melinda Melinda. Alrighty, so number two. So this is actually my number two, three favorite movie, but my number two is my number one hidden gem. So um, this is uh, Star Wars, 1977. I don't, I mean, I guess I don't understand. I don't know. This is another kind of walk out of the room one. I mean, I guess if you say it's not good, I mean, compared to what, like what, what is better than Star Wars for, like, if you want to have fun? I, I mean, it's just so tight. It's so good. I like Return of the Jedi. I, I like Empire Strikes Back. I I thought I liked Revenge of the Sith, but I think I think whatever the final final one is. Um, but then after seeing. Uh, what is it like two ago I was I was super excited for Ryan Johnson because I liked brick and I like I, I like um, knives out I think it's a pretty interesting movie from a couple years ago um, 
or as good as you're going to get right now. Uh, I was super excited for him directing Star Wars taking over for whatever, Abrams, who I have nothing, nothing good to say about. Uh, but then I, I, it was a perfect setting. I, whatever, I had had the day, I had the day off. It was by Christmas. I had a, a great, went out and got some super classy Indian food with my sister and we went shopping and bought some boots and then went and saw, uh, you know, whatever the Ryan Johnson directed one, I guess it was the second in the latest series. And I just, and it was Christmas time and all the lights were out in whatever Regent street or wherever. And, uh, I got out of it and I was like, that really sucked. That was horrible. And I was like, I'm done with star Wars. And that made me reevaluate kind of the, the newer ones that I tried to go along with. Um, yeah. So, I could go on more, say more about that, but I don't, I don't know what other movie you're going to have like three people. Um, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but the saying that they, you know, they cast people in groups of three and they had a Leia with Carrie and obviously Mark, um, but they needed another Han. And so they grabbed Harrison Ford, who was just a carpenter on the set and threw him in there and they had the best chemistry and that's how they got cast. So, I mean, at the, George Lucas with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. I mean, I, I think he definitely needs someone else to direct, maybe. And he does the writing or something. He's the idea guy, and somebody else is the execution guy. So he's he's the founding CEO, and somebody else is the whatever. I, I forget what comes after whatever. I forget what comes after founding, <laughs> scaling CEO. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Um, and then, uh, number one, uh, Casablanca, 1942. I, I don't know whether people don't watch this movie. I don't know whether people watch this movie and the talking is like too fast and they don't love it. I don't know, but it, I mean, Star Wars has great dialogue. Annie Hall has great dialogue. Lawrence Arabia has great dialogue. Casablanca has amazing dialogue um it I, I remember on some podcast they were saying like if you could go to any place in a movie where would it be for me it would definitely be rick's um i mean that scene is just you know the, whatever french resistance guys at the bar and i mean i don't i just i don't understand i don't that was my first clue that the world was uh not what it should be when i started seeing the I mean, Vertigo, Vertigo is a f fine, it's fine, it's okay movie, it's it's good, it's a good movie, but the idea that that janky shit brick of a movie is like on the API better than Casablanca is just insane to me. Um, I love the Umberto Echo. At, fir at first I was angry about the Umberto Echo uh, cliche Casablanca essay. But I think it is. It's whatever. It has so many cliches in it that like it's they almost function as shorthand, so you know where the where the movie is coming from, where it's going. You know these characters. I mean, it has so many great. It has so many great character actors. Um, oh God, who's the guy that runs the Green Parrot? I mean, the big, the big fat guy. Uh, it obviously has Peter Lorre. Um, I mean, it has, uh, 
Ingrid Bergman is is absolutely amazing and gorgeous. Uh, you know, Rick is uh, so much. Of, oh, the dialogue is so freaking good. You know, they talk about oh, you know, we Rick ran guns to Ethiopia and he fought on the side. I forget who he fought on the side of in the Spanish Civil War. You know, but they basically they note that he's always fighting for the underdog. Because Enrique tries to brush it off. It's like, oh, I was paid very well. And they're like, oh, the winning side would have paid better every time. Um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, and when I was younger, I watched it. I didn't understand what the Romanian refugee young uh, wife was saying when she was trying to ask Rick about uh, uh, Captain Renault is saying, you know, is he a man of his word? Because she's going to sleep with him in order to get passports and never tell his husband, never tell her husband. And yeah, Rick's, whatever, Rick's, you know, says he's a man of his word. I mean, uh, Dooley Wilson is Sam in the song. I mean, I, I mean, obviously I could go on, but I, I don't know. Um, I don't know where people are at on Casablanca. It seems like it, I feel like, um, it's not really, um, anybody's favorite or it's a boring to say I don't know I don't know it seems it's so um I feel yeah I feel like it's underappreciated despite being super and the other thing is that Citizen Kane okay fine it's great but like it's a freaking downer I mean I love Orson Welles I love uh Mr. Arcadon I love Chimes at Midnight but like Jesus I mean you get done with Citizen Kane and you're just battered and sad and whereas Casablanca has you know the, one of the best endings ever um and and they talk about how like the actors didn't maybe didn't didn't know until didn't know what was the ending was going to be because it wasn't written uh they were scrambling to finish it and they actually got on there so yeah and also um yeah so as this is kind of an unscheduled recording we're gonna have some very righteous um, newborn screaming in the background while his sister gets a bath um, but yeah okay so yeah Casablanca uh, my so overrated um, and this was also good for me to do this because I just like I, I send my uh, guests who have been terrific, you know, this uh, Google Doc to fill out, and then like they do, if they don't fill out like every little cell, I'm like, um, yeah, can you can you fill that in? Uh, can you fill that in? Uh, actually, you need to move this to Hidden Gems, and you need to move this to you know. Um, so for me to actually do it, see how see how tricky it is to actually play my stupid little game. Um, so yeah, I have down here for overrated 2003's Love Actually. Cause it was a like I don't know if my wife said it was like her favorite movie and so then the first time I watched it I was just had a moral crisis of if I could live the rest of my life we were dating at the time how could how could I live the rest of my life with this person who liked love actually which is such an absurd movie and I find it's offensive on so many different levels um, and and it just like it I haven't watched it for a long time but it just makes me angry I mean whether it's the guy with the signs on her stoop and it's like yeah Karen Knightley is whatever Karen Knightley is so much better than this guy just just F off um, or it's the chasing 
the grade school kid chasing a girl through the airport through Heathrow is so dumb um, and then also just like the it's like oh, okay yeah there are people that cheat on their wives at Christmas and the wife that finds the necklace in her husband's pocket but it's for his, his uh, the woman he's having an affair with uh, but there's there's this weird thing that I think I don't I don't think I really understood it until I saw Four Lions, which is I think is really good. It's a British movie with the terrorists, um, or British movies. They try to like, they they're just like tonally all over the place. They're just not as uh, straight down the middle as an American Hollywood movie would be maybe. And they try you know they try to be bittersweet or they try to hit you punch hit you in all these different spots massage all these different spots and so i think when it works it's great and uh, with a love actually it, it actually it must it works for a lot of people uh but i think it's also it's a yeah, high degree of difficulty uh and then <laughs> harikari is it how you say it harry kiri 1962 this is, might be a surprise one for people, but um, I mean, I think it might, I like Japanese uh, films a lot. Um, but uh, this is oh gosh, what is this? So on, <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna see something insane, um, maybe I can put a list into uh, uh, into the show notes. But the official top two hundred fifty narrative feature films on Letterboxd. So Letterboxd's top 250 movies based on an average weighted rating of all Letterboxd users. Uh, this person removed stand-up specials, stage plays, concert films, documentaries, shorts, collecting listings, and other rarities. The film should have a minimum of 2,500 ratings to be eligible to enter the list. Um, and then he also does top 50 films with less than 2,500 ratings. So, I mean, he can't be blamed for this list, but... Um, number one is Parasite, number two is Come and See, number three is The Godfather, and number four is Hari... Uh, sorry, I don't I don't know pronunciations, but Hari... Hari Kari. Harry Kari Kari. I, I rated this one star. I, I just thought it was... I don't know, I thought it was pointless. I didn't get it. I actually don't remember much about it, but I remember just freaking hating it. And I mean, I saw it when I was... I can't say like, oh, I was a teenager or I was in my 20s. I think I saw it in my 30s. So, um, but then number five, Godfather Part Two. Then Seven Samurai, Twelve Angry Men, uh, A Dog's Will, 2000. Never heard of that. Human Condition, Spirited Away, High Low. So it's 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 interesting to look at because it it obviously is right in some places. And anyhow, I'd also seen this. I'd seen this on. Um, the IMDb list is very high as well, so that's what that's what got me on it. And then I didn't really know if people even still liked this movie anymore, but I just, I guess I thought it was just so. I just thought the plot was this so random and chaotic, and that didn't really make any sense. So I I was already gonna put City of God as one of the movies that just really chaps my rear. Um, but uh, 2002. Uh, the favelas Brazil movie that has a just a super random ending. I mean, I guess it's like, oh yeah, that's the way the ball bounces in the favelas. But um, it's, I just, yeah, yeah, I really don't like it. So anyhow, and it's, and it's, it's supposedly the number twenty eight film according to this list of all time. 
Um, so yeah, I could go on with those, but that's maybe that's just to give you a taste of of what uh, what gets me going. Um, and I guess with all these, I'm you know I'm I've I'm so old now that I have seen things that I've been wrong about. So I guess I anything that on the pod and the other apps that I come in with a hot take on you know I'm I'm open to I'm open to it being pointed out that I'm wrong about it or I mean I guess on the things I have more on the things I have negative takes on um, and then whatever that I'm not appreciating something you know like I watched three episodes of Game of Thrones and I was like it was not what I was expecting I was like it was I thought it was too uh, jokey and then you know I ended up watching came back to it because seemed like the entire world was raving about it and and you know it's it became something that i really enjoyed especially those i think it obviously deteriorated and obviously the final episode was just one of the worst episodes of tv i've ever seen i guess the creators wanted to move on to the next thing but um obviously the writing there went downhill but um but yeah that's something um you know maybe premium men's underwear i don't know there's just it seems like I really allow a lot of uh, slack in the system, or I'm willing to. I, I've seen enough things where uh, people take hot takes, and then I, and then I think, well, yeah, I kind of thought, thought the same thing, but then you, um, I mean, like Nassim Taleb, you know, he's like, oh, things I will never do: fly in a plane without a co-pilot and bicycle in an urban area and it's like well yeah but then if you get to london it's literally the best way to get around and you feel like you actually are a person who lives in the city once you start cycling and you know you can if you're biking to work you can eat literally anything you want and never gain and and never gain any weight on your face or anywhere i mean there's just all kinds of uh there's all, there's all kinds of good reasons. So I've, I've, I've seen enough things where I've either been wrong or people that I really respect where I, I think they need to do a double take on things. So I am open to reevaluating uh, City of God and Love Actually and Hari Curry. Um, so number five, Hidden Gems, the reason we're all here. Uh, um the Brotherhood of the Bell, 1970. So this is, uh, I thought I had it pulled up. So this has Glenn Ford in it, and it is, uh, good God, it is good. I, I uh, and let's see, I'm, I don't want to say other movies that he's in. Um, so it is a, it's a, um, has to do it's like a secret society so 20 this one reviewer says 22 years after swearing fealty to a secret society in college uh, the main character glenn ford is tasked with blackmailing a colleague and so this guy is gonna um accept like a prestigious position at a university um and he says no you can't take it because the brotherhood this this they, they want another person to get it and so this person ends up commuting his friend who he's blackmailing ends up committing suicide so then he sees how horrible it is so he, basically they haven't they haven't gotten in touch with him and 
and and the the gist of it is is that um this brotherhood of the bell he thinks he's earned everything in his life on his own but the brotherhood of the bell has greased the wheels for him this whole time and so uh i just saw this I actually just watched this recently so all my hidden gems i are ones i because i didn't have time to rewatch. and my first three hidden gems and there's so there's others that maybe i would rate higher than this but these are i wanted to, i wanted them to be ones that i could uh recommend without any reservation or even the slight inkling that i might need to rewatch them before i could pass them on in in uh in good conscience uh but it's a it's like a TV movie, which actually the more people were talking about, like uh, I think Blowergeist is talking about uh, the Rockford Files, and I've watched a little bit of Columbo, and it's made me think that and, and just like the the sets for Columbo and like Batman are so like interesting and ornate and stuff. It, it makes me think that um, I need to watch more old TV, and then also watching. Uh, the men and nomad recommended survivors uh it's the you know instead of scraping the bottom of the the bottom of the barrel on on films maybe i need to go back and i mean i haven't even watched like the original twilight zones so i need to watch like the top 10 twilight zones i think uh, but yeah uh brotherhood of the bell it is just I mean, I. I mean, even even you know, like the dads that I go to the playground with, you know, they want to talk to me about how conspiracy theories are. Why why does everybody believe in conspiracy theories and and talk about stuff and I don't know. It's so funny how it's, it's just the thing that gets under people's skin. But like, I don't know. I guess I've always had the, the deep throat, which that's a whole another thing about that guy um whether he was whether he's on the up and up or not but i mean if you just follow the money there's normally money to be had and i'm, I'm i guess i'm open to i don't know whether because it, it fits with my worldview or i'm open to i'm open to hearing anything out but um it's funny how some people really get uh chapped by conspiracy theories but um this just goes in and shows um it's just someone someone one reviewer says i love how tame and realistic realistic this is and, that, and that's why it's so great because you know they're just like they're gaslighting him they're, they come after his father's business they because his, his father believes him they come after his they come they you know they come after his wife getting hurted like eventually i think eventually turn against him and then the end, he get, he makes it, you know, in the end, they show how with all of these, um, like, there's like three different people uh, who, what, different things, right? They may, you know, maybe he, he gets a public hearing, basically, in, in a sense. And, um, and then people just come out of the woodwork to, like, compare him with other uh, conspiracy theories to like muddy the water um, and it just shows how these uh, uh, and that they, just the idea that you know conspiracy theory is a term invented by the CIA uh, and that's not a conspiracy theory 
um, and how this one author that was on, I guess he was on Red Scare, but he's also on the Thaddeus Russell um, podcast, sorry, a friend of his. But then I did a solo pod on his book, but he, he thinks they should be called Scads, which ha- hasn't really caught on, but um, that, that's a great book to just, even, I think if you are very anti-conspiracy theories, you should still give it a listen, but State Crimes Against Democracy. Um, but yeah, Brotherhood of the Bell, 1970. It's got, yeah, like I said, it's got this great TV look, and it's, uh, I would say, totally forgotten, except for maybe your blogger bloggers here. I forget how I came across it, uh, but let me just pull up the likes. I think this is definitely the most hidden gem. There's 96 views on Letterboxd, and uh, okay, yeah. So moving on to my number four. Uh, this has 325 views on Letterbox, despite the fact that it's directed by uh, this is Rollover from 1981, directed by Alan J. Pakula. So it's it's in his I like I like conspiracy movies. It's his uh, I guess it's the fourth one in his conspiracy trilogy. Yes, I know how many are in a trilogy, uh, but so. All the President's Men, Clute, and Parallax View. Uh, just got Parallax View, the new Criterion edition, so I'm stoked about that. I mean, I didn't love that one the first time I saw it, but I, I really like it. Um, and I guess whether you agree with the politics of... There's a certain podcaster out there uh, who really hates, or he, he and his he and his bud really don't like All the President's Men because they, I think they don't like... They don't like whatever the Pentagon Papers guy. I forget his name, but uh, and I guess I, I'm prone to believe them. If that it's obviously whatever, uh, just uh, whatever the the deep state trying to do what they want, um, and then lying. But uh, Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford are so amazing in it. Anyhow, this I think this is another great Pakula joint. It is a, maybe a little bit meandering, but it, I mean, it has Jane Fonda and Chris Christopherson. So Jane Fonda, despite her politics or whatever, I mean, I wasn't really, when she was really firing off, I guess, anti-Vietnam War, I obviously wasn't around, so. Um, but uh, I think she, I, I, I enjoy her, especially in her movies where she's younger um and she's not even that young in this but i think she's great and chris christopherson I, I pretty much wanted like him to be in every movie uh but yeah people freaking hate this movie uh let's see i have two friends on letterbox one is rated one and a half stars and one is rated at three uh, and one person gave it a two-star review and says Chris Christopherson and Jane Fonta want to F Act 3 they want to F Act, f- or act 2 they want to F um, but I, I, I really like I really like Margin Call I think that's a, just a, that's a, it's a really insanely great movie definitely one of the best finance movies there's not that many good finance movies out there I I like Boiler Room i I, I hate, I, I think uh, Wolf of Wall Street is, I mean, it's got some good lines in the beginning, and uh, maybe if I re- re- rewatch it, I'd like it, but like, I just find it super boring. All of the drug scenes, I mean, I thought I was so over scenes of a addict or drug scenes in movies. I, I can't, I'm always, I'm just always just shocked that people 
like it. Um, and also considering that, like, I remember people being hard on Boiler Room because they were like, oh, it's it's not as good as Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. But I was like, I, I, lo- I love them both. I think they're both great. I, I, I can live in a world where they both exist. Um, and, I mean, Giovanni Rizmi is great in that. But, yeah, uh, what other good finance movies are there? So I guess, you know, this comes a little bit hot and heavy with in like one scene one or two scenes where he's like demanding uh the balance sheets and the different ledgers and things with some finance lingo and i think maybe people got just like freaking the average person you know from my parents generation that all they knew about finance was that stocks split every once in a while uh you know i don't know if they felt like here here i guess it was here a director didn't talk down to people uh and they just couldn't handle it because I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's a, it's a, I, I think it's great. And it's actually, I think it's more, it's, it's, you know, we've gone whatever horseshoe theory. It's like, you know, it was apropos in the seventies and it's in 1970. And I think it's just even, it's coming back around to being super relevant. Um, it's got super cool interiors. It's a, it's like a, it's a pretty decent it's a decent thriller i mean it's yeah it stops it stops at times to like whatever talk about finance or it stops at times to the whatever have chris and jane do their thing but it's a decent thriller um i think people can maybe have a little bit you know if the first couple seasons of billions are any indication people can handle a little bit more finance chatter now um and I, and I actually think that unlike later scenes in Civilians where they, we solved it with private equity, I, was, I was just couldn't watch it. Billions <laughs> I had a hard time continuing with it after that episode. Um, um, but I think this is on the up and up, uh, you know, uh, as, as far as being uh, correct. There, there is a bit where... Uh, I forget. Jane Fonda pledges her stock in her company as collateral, and I remember thinking, like, that it was pretty onerous debt terms. But then again, this is the seventies, uh, so interest rates. I don't know if they had. Where I guess they spiked in the late eighties. I don't know, but there was, there was a question mark that I had about that, but that I haven't been able to get an answer from any of my finance buddies because i don't know that i i don't know if any of them has if i've gotten them to watch this yet um and then the ending the ending just totally takes everything to its logical conclusion uh whereas it's a this is we're talking about a world there's a worldwide conspiracy in this movie so i mean i love conspiracy movies uh that's why i love all the alan j pakula movies and uh yeah uh, that's it okay so let me just check make sure i am still recording in garage band i can go back to my google sheets um, and then number three is Summer Lovers from 1982. I had never heard of this movie, and Ty E mentioned it on an early TPN episode because he was talking about. He was talking about. So this has. Uh, this has. Who's having it? It's got. I can't. So anyhow, it's about a couple that go to Greece, namely Santorini, and um, and then the love triangle. 
<laughs> Apparently the alternative title is Threesome. <laughs> um, and it's directed by the same guy that directed Grease and The Blue Lacoon and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid and Flight of the Navigator and White Fang, Randall Kleiser. And he also did uh, Big Top Peewee. Uh, and then, yeah, and then like three movies down from that is Summer Lovers from 1982. I watched it last summer. Yeah, last summer. Uh, I gave it five stars. It's got Peter Gallagher from uh, Orange County. Is that the name of that TV show? I'm about to completely miss that one. And Daryl Hannah, who is is amazing in this, and Valerie Quinnison, who is the she is the princess, I think, at the end of Conan. And then this is her second biggest credit. Um, but yeah, so I think I, I looked it up on Letterboxd when Ty E mentioned it and was like, oh man, uh, Michael Pappas and his girlfriend Kathy are enjoying the white sand beaches of the Greek island as well as the freewheeling nature of the locals when Michael meets Lena who is in Greece from Paris doing archaeological work. He is enamored with the beautiful foreigner. Kathy unhappy about Lena, Lena getting close to Michael, uh, close is an understatement confronts the woman only to be unexpectedly wooed by her charms as well um yeah and so uh uh like i said my movie takes are conservative and uh uh the the movies that i watch with my wife <laughs> are, are conservative as well and so i almost didn't know if we could handle this uh this action but um it's really it's so good we both enjoyed it she she, she was totally down to watch it just because she loves grease and uh and i don't know it's it's obviously it's super sexy but it has it has like this wholesome quality to it uh the leads are just amazing uh the setting is amazing uh the music definitely check out the the soundtrack on youtube because a lot of it isn't on spotify uh the music is amazing uh, there's this scene that is like looks like they just immediately took took it out of Mamma Mia or Mamma Mia took it out of this direct inspiration. Um, it never it never falls on its face. Like there's a part where it kind of slows down and you think, okay, how are they gonna get out of this? How are they gonna do this? And it just kind of like sh it just kind of shimmies and twists and, and just and then just jumps and, and, and doesn't fall to its feet and just keeps on running and is, is super good uh, and then at like my number one pick there's some dialogue in the beginning and kind of just in passing uh, I think we're saying like oh are you married oh good thing you're not married or oh why did you come to Santorini with a boyfriend or girlfriend or is oh, it's just some that's kind of like weak writing uh, that uh, that almost threw me off. Thinking, oh God, is this how this is going to be? I don't know if I want to give this any more time. Uh, but then it, that that's that's the only hint of that, and it's and it's just it's great. I, I don't know why I connected with it so well. I tweeted recently that it's the perfect that if you like um, La Piscine with Elaine Delon and Rami Schneider, then you should give this a try because um, it's uh, you know beautiful people in a beautiful location uh, yeah I can't wait to I can't wait to watch it I've been recommending it to my in-laws uh, 
which I don't know if that's something that I'll regret. Um, it's 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 not streaming anywhere, uh, so I quote unquote found it on the internet through uh, uh, yeah illicit means. Um, but then I've also I bought the DVD. Uh, so yeah, I mean buy the Blu-ray, buy the DVD, and then uh, if you hate it, if you don't like it, if you don't think it was worth it. Um, maybe I'll give you a money back guarantee on it uh, okay so my number two is uh, uh, shoot let me see if there's anything else I can say about this uh, this movie says this movie is a lot better movie about a threesome than it should be Enjoy the view and the soundtrack. It's not as tawdry as you would think, and a lot more hotter than imaginable. Fun look at 1981-1982 Greece. Uh, yeah, there are some there are some like nude beaches that they um, I think that they hit you with early on. But uh, yeah, I want to buy the poster on eBay. The poster is great. Um, yeah, I I can't say enough about it. I keep getting people to try and watch it, and I. You know, because it's not streaming, I haven't gotten many takers. Oh, I guess what I was going to say was that... So Tai E uh, mentioned it, and then I looked it up, and then I thought, Oh, Jesus, this is too hot. This is too hot. I, I got to get out of the kitchen. This is too hot for me. Uh, but then YOLO, this, uh, I think it's YOLO Journal, Y-O-L-O Journal on Instagram, who is the wife of one of uh, this, this magazine guy that I'm going to recommend in my odds and ends at the end uh, she was saying like when she's like the first time we went to Greece was everybody else thinking hoping that it was going to be like summer lovers I did and so she gave it this uh, gloss of respectability and, and that's what pushed and then also the, the, oh, the summer lovers by this Michael Cimbola track is so good that, um, that that's what pushed it to the top uh so yeah so hats off to her for that because i yeah like i said i enjoyed it anyhow uh number two nothing but the best from 1964 this is an alan bates movie directed by clive donner who i thought had done something else but i guess he hasn't this is it's like a social climbing british movie with See what's his name? Den Denholm Elliot Denholm. I I can't. Uh, <laughs> D E N H O L M. I think I just heard it pronounced because I just watched the trailer. And uh, yeah, I've, I've I've still forgotten what else is he in. He's in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh yeah, he's uh he, he's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's in all the Indiana Jones movies. He is uh. What, he's he's like the he's like the um, he's the guy that from the museum that's gonna buy Indiana Jones pieces. Um, so I've watched nothing but the best twice. The first time I think I watched it on YouTube when it was like recorded off of British television, and it had a couple scenes cut, and it's actually kind of a lighter. They cut like it's a little bit like darker is not the right word, but it's a little bit darker on the DVD. So I remember the second time I watched it thinking okay i still love the dialogue i still loved it it's still a five-star movie but like i'm i'm not as like chipper after it um 
or it was like no not not darker meaner it's a little bit meaner they cut out some of the mean stuff so anyhow um but obviously you won't notice that so anyhow uh the synopsis here is success has james brewster's name written all over it and he also has his heart set on the boss's daughter a con arts artist hires him a con artist hires him to help out on a bank scheme, but then again, James will do anything to get rich and be the most successful businessman in Britain, even if it means murder. I don't even think that whole <laughs> con artist bank scheme bit is right at all. It's not about, it's just about him. Um, basically, there's a point where he says, like, I want to make a, I want to learn how to forge. And the guy's like, oh, what do you want? This like rich guy's like, what do you want to forge? It's basically a rich guy who's an alcoholic. And he's like, I want to forge you. So he, he basically gets, he runs into this guy, realizes that he's blue blood and he's whatever, middle class or lower middle class. And, and he's trying to make it in London and and seem like a man of uh, taste. And, uh, and it's a comedy. And... Uh, so yeah, so he just borrows this guy's clothes and his attitudes and, and uh, his witticisms and his, you know, uh, snide remarks and, um, and uses it to uh, try and climb in his, uh, at, at work and with the boss's arts. I don't know, what else is to say about this? Uh, this has 89 views or ratings on Letterboxd. Um, this movie was a big deal for me because... Uh, I actually, a very British, very, uh, kind of guy, quite like the guy that he's trying to forge at my work, uh, like knew that I liked movies and he recommended it. And, um, and he said, it's about, so it has to do with in London with social climbing. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> Um, but again, great dialogue. Uh, it's uh, so it's written by Frederick Raphael, who is the guy who Kubrick got to write Eyes Wide Shut, who has written a, a book. I think that's it's kind of like a little just a a book about Kubrick, which probably isn't that informative, but it's you know gives you some insight. Um, but he also wrote Darling, the Julie Christie movies, um, and then Far Far from the Madding Crowd, another Julie Christie flick. And he wrote uh, Two for the Road, which is, uh, let's see here, Two for the Road has, it's a, I think it's a really good movie with Audrey Hepburn, and it's basically talks, it's Audrey Hepburn and who? Audrey Hepburn and Albert Finney, um, just where it's just this British couple, and through a 10-year marriage, uh, and they go through flashbacks of like all of their uh like summer vacations in Europe to like four summer vacations or five summer vacations. Uh, anyhow, I, I, yeah, my mom actually watched that and she would recommend two for the road too. But, um, but yeah, Fred, and he's also, I've read one of his books, um, all the glittering prizes, I think, and, and thought it held up and was good. So, uh, and he, he's a very interesting guy because he was, he's got like, I don't know if he's like Lebanese, dad and like French mom or something like that but then was uh went to high school in Chicago and then went to like Oxford or Cambridge so he's got this very extremely cosmopolitan um well-rounded sensibility that I I just you can't find anywhere else um 
so yeah, nothing but the best. It's got some, it's got some good music in it. I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's super funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put in a scene from it hopefully before I am, start speaking on it. Uh, actually, you know what? Maybe I will just, I'll put in the scene right here. Yes. Well, I think you might give me a viva on Monday, don't you? Viva, voce, test. Oh yes, yes, of course, viva. What do you know about vivas? Uh, Oxford jobs, really? Mind you, set me some stinkers. Think about a lynch barge, 55. Uh, Amy Claret, a bit on the stingy side. Fair enough. About politics. What's wrong with the socialists? House of date. No need for them. And the conservatives? We're going pink at the edges. The liberals? <laughs> Who? What's wrong with the British workmen? He's too bloody middle class by half. British royalty? Too bloody middle class by half. British management? Ought to pull its finger out. Indeed it should. Negroes are? Very fine cricketers. Some of them. Americans? Let us down over Suez. The French? Let us down in 1940. The Germans? Best infantry in the world. Indeed they are. Game, set and match, Miss Truman. Just time for a spot of breakfast, I think, don't you? Before you go off to work, and I go off to bed. Game, set, and match. I don't think it's bloody worth it. It's not bloody worth it. We can move on to... Um, I, bought, I mean, I, yeah, I love this movie. I bought a huge poster. That's absolutely gorgeous of it. Uh, but then, okay, so my number one is... So this is the one that has the by far the most views. So uh, I guess I'm saying that this is underrated. But it's my number two favorite movie ever, uh, which is The Last Days of Disco by Whit Stillman. I am a huge, uh, I kind of think of him as the New York trifecta. Uh, Whit's, uh, Woody Allen, Whit Stillman, and then, um, well, shoot, who's the guy that did Kicking and Screaming and Greenberg and Marriage Story? Um... Noah Baumbach, Squid and the Whale. I, I mean, I think this, he's maybe a guy that people have problems with, too. It's not the Will Ferrell kicking and screaming. It's the 1995 kicking and screaming, which also has um, Chris Eichmann in it, who is, uh, my sister knows him from Gilmore Girls. Uh, but yeah, this has Kate Beckinsale and Chloe Sevigny in it, who just look freaking amazing i think this is the best that chloe Sevigny has looked in a movie um i'm not an expert on i haven't seen all of her movies but um yeah it's just i i had a i got one of my you know friends that all he cares about is baseball watching baseball every night of the week that it's on uh and is not into criterion movies at all and i got him to watch it and he was just blown away and he's like I don't understand why this movie isn't every person in their 20s favorite movie and I was just like yes exactly thank you aren't we behind schedule? nope 
recipe is extremely fast. Anything I did that was wrong, I apologize for. But anything I did that was not wrong, I don't apologize for. Actually, there's one theory that the environmental movement of our day was sparked by the re-release of Bambi in the late 1950s. It's completely formulaic. Of course it's formulaic. It's a formula. A lot of people like to say they won't take no for an answer. I just wanted you to know that I'm not one of them. I can be easily discouraged. This will motivate me to get a better job in television, which is where my interests truly lie. I've watched television all my life. great dialogue i love all stillman's movies I've, i i i guess at a certain time i felt like this was um you know people were saying like oh they like barcelona better than this and then obviously metropolitan got was his first one um but i mean i think damsels in distress is really great too not a different level than these three but um but yeah i guess uh, as far as views on letterboxd this is second to metropolitan um, but I th I, so I think it's gone up a lot since Criterion put it out uh, but I think it was the, I want to say this was the last one that they put out maybe they put it out before Barcelona I don't know um, but basically this was the movie that when I was hitting the bars hard with my friends and uh, you know striking out every every blue moon uh, would uh, that's a joke uh, would come back, we'd get a Euros, Gyros, get some Gyros from the Gyro truck with like, it would always be like me and uh, one other person. And sometimes it would even be a guy who's like in my outer friend circle. <laughs> so I tried, did this with multiple guys, many, like probably like four different guys, I don't know. Maybe some guys more than, more than once. Anyhow, we'd come back with our pizza, our gyros, and I would put Last Days of Disco on and they would inevitably fall asleep within five minutes and I would uh, watch the whole thing. And so that it became a, it became a favorite. Uh, the music is like, like Summer Lovers. I mean, this might have the best music soundtrack. I can understand why, because I understand why people and so people, this came out when Stu, was it called? S S S Studio 51? What, I can't, whatever that movie with Ryan Philippi. Uh, Studio 54, <laughs> Studio 51. So I'm thinking like Studio 60 in Berkeley. Da, da, da. Uh, no, Studio 54 came out. Uh, it was just one of those weird Hollywood things where two movies with similar themes come out. And so it got, um, I think it basically lost all of its hype to that, despite this being the infinitely better movie. Um, but I, and I think I, you know, I probably would have been whatever uh, in that crowd at the Cleveland Indians game or whatever, throwing disco records on the field too, because back then, you know, it was just this disco was this gay thing, and I, I would, I think they probably felt like disco was taking over the world. But when you're in a post, you know, disco didn't actually take over the world. It was just a temporary thing and the world has moved on and you still have rock and you still have all these other genres. It's just this nice, it's just this nice genre that I, whatever, enjoy and you can enjoy it in its place and time. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think the, the, whatever the, uh, whatever, 
whoever the lead of the Supremes is, the she, Diana Ross, the, oh, it opens to Kate Beckinsale and Chloe Sevigny walking to, no, sorry, I think it opens to Doctor's Orders, which is another great song. I mean, there's just, yeah, I'm coming out. I mean, it's just, oh, God, it's just amazing. And there's, the dialogue is so amazing, and there's so many, like, characters and, like, dudes that are so, like, earnest and, and then Chloe Sevigny plays this, you know, kind of innocent character and who gets wrapped up in the disco scene, so to speak. And ah, it's just, ah, it's amazing. I can't, I think people, maybe people have seen it. I don't know people, I don't know. It just doesn't, people don't love it as much as I do. Um, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why people aren't raving about it as much as, as, as I feel they should. Um, but yeah, that's it, and um, cool. Uh, that's that's my one through five. Uh, I try to scribble down some notes here that I to keep my thoughts ordered. I'm probably sh- I'm sure I'll think of some things right as soon as I click off that I really wanted to say about these films. Um, but yeah, I feel really good about that top those five hidden gems. I don't have any honorable mentions because I think maybe I, if I ever need to do this again, maybe I'll, I thought maybe I would do books, but um, let's see, what am I at time-wise? Uh, I'm already at, I can't be right. Um, okay, so that's that's enough, we're done. Uh, but yeah, b- books, is, books is tricky um, because they have that, uh, when you've read them a while ago, like some of my main best hidden gems I I've read quite a ways, ways back. So, um, but I'll do that later. But then I think I'll also save. Uh, movies would be the area that I'm the deepest on, as far as I feel. So I'll say it. no honorable mentions, and I'll save those in case I ever need to do a solo up again. I guess hope hope not. Um, but as far as odds and ends, I this W M Brown project on Instagram, he's just like. Um, I can see why some people might have their quibbles with him because he's, I don't know, he seems like he must have family money or something. I'd love to get him on the podcast at some point, but I doubt he would do it. Um, But he is just, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of guys out there that, uh, you know, try to, most of the guys out there that try to do style stuff, they like, I don't know, they're not like actually, they don't actually like look cool, or if they do look cool, they're like in the clothing industry i mean i don't know they just always seem to be compromised or or they seem whatever they have good taste and and sure they have good taste and style and you know where to vacation if you're extremely rich um but he seems he has lots of and he has i don't know he has interesting interests and has good takes on watches and which and whatever shotguns and I, i'm not doing him justice but anyhow what i'm saying is i guess his magazine is like, I don't know if it's, what is it, like $25 an issue, but it, I think it's actually worth it. Um, it's very, it's just so, it's very nice to read. Uh, you know, fo- the photographs are really great. They have this, the, the writing, it's like very sparse. You could like, you could actually read it. You can read it cover to cover. Uh, so yeah, so check out his Instagram, see if, see if he's the type of, see if you, see if you like his thing. I, I don't, I guess I'm just saying is it just, you know, all these other guys, you eventually, you see some place where they kind of like fall down and they're not that interesting or their taste isn't 
doesn't match up with what you would hope it would be. But for me, he, he checks all the boxes. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I posted about it recently, but I've been eating raw eggs for a while, just wash the outside shell and crack them and eat them. And I think, you know, I've, I'm assuming that they're much more, the protein's a lot more bioavailable. But I think you'll start noticing it in your, whatever, in your hair, in your nails, and just every aspect of life. I'm not a, there's a guy on Twitter, raw egg nationalist. I wouldn't go that far, but, um, uh, but yeah, basically if they, if they're cracked, if one egg is cracked and it leaks on the shell of another egg, and then that has like, obviously the integrity has been broken and like whatever, there's salmonella or whatever gets in the, starts up in there. And then if you crack that egg and it runs over the edge of the shell into your shaker, your bowl or whatever, then that's what, that's going to be a problem. That's why you wash it in warm water. Uh, I don't know. I, I hear, I don't know. I feel like guys on Twitter hear them talking about like, I don't know, not, maybe I don't hear them talking about struggles with clothes or something like that, but just like, I, I understand I have a, whatever, a friend who's super tall, who Uniqlo doesn't work with them, so I guess if you're odd sizes, there's there's other things you can do, DM me, but um, uh, I've, I've bought like much more expensive navy blue khakis, and I just keep coming back to Uniqlo, I mean if you want to get them like, I, I, I even get, I take them to a tailor and get my khakis altered. Uh, to kind of make up for the waist to butt ratio from deadlifting, but um, shirts maybe I don't know button ups maybe maybe go elsewhere, um, but uh, I don't know for 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 polos and for like V-neck merino sweaters and things like that. I don't know. It just Uniqlo is uh, never lets me down. I think it's way really good quality for the price. Um, and then, uh, and then I was talking to somebody recently, uh, so, uh, if you ever want an ebook, I would check out Z Library, uh, I won't say any more, um, and, uh, and then also, uh, I don't know, I, maybe it's just me, you know, I mean, you know, I like to listen to, I like to listen to stuff, uh, cause I spend a lot of time wiping down our countertops and our kitchen tables and a lot of time at the gym and a lot of time uh, commuting on a bike and a lot of time shaving and I mean I just basically listen to something I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook or something uh, in, in at least and that's the other great thing that's the great thing about ear pods is you can just listen in one ear and you know listen for whatever people are saying uh in the other year uh as far as you know <laughs> your family goes um okay yeah here i have it uh, i think it is uh, the 100 percent pod guys michael at michael o-u-z he i i heard him talking about fountain pens which is something i've always wanted to get into and I just never have because I just couldn't stomach like spending $60 or 60, 50 quid or something on a fountain pen. But there's like a $12, this uh, Pilot Kakuno, K-A-K-U, I think with dots over it, N-O. And you can just, yeah, get a fountain pen and see if it's your thing. And I kind of, I don't really want to write with any other pen now. Uh, so yeah. Um, and then just going on with the odds and ends here. 
there's lots of stuff like that's why that's why i wanted to start this podcast because i have a lot of stuff that i feel i feel passionate about that um that that uh, nobody wants to listen to me talk about um but i got a higher dose uh, sauna blanket which i think is like this uh different uh whatever biohacker or health podcast dudes kind of talk about sauna blankets or sauna tents infrared infrared sauna so it can basically you can go hotter than a normal sauna but you can also take it because it's uh you know you're not like having to breathe through the steam and stuff like that um but anyhow basically whatever you can burn like i think it's like 600 calories in an hour just sitting in this sauna blanket and you can just read it's actually easy it's actually better for reading i used to try and put my watch a movie and put my laptop uh on it um but then that kind of gets jiggled around i unless you have it somehow you, you can get a perfect setup i don't have like a good lap stand or something like that but made tricky but anyhow it's great for reading and then also i fall asleep while i'm reading like immediately so this keeps you awake while you're reading and uh and uh yeah i've bought a lot of spent a lot of money on different health or biohacking stuff and and rarely does it actually prove to be worth it but um this i this i this i definitely recommend and uh what else about it oh and then also like uh i I don't know i have a weird connection between eating and movies so basically i just want to be eating if i'm watching a movie um so this gives me something else to do besides eat and um yeah and then finally i I don't know i also this has helped with my reading a lot is um i wanted i I guess i wanted something to look forward to to relax uh in the evening with besides like uh eat something eat ice cream eat something not awesome uh or drink alcohol during quarantine and um i mean so i picked up i, I bought a pipe because I, I like pipes because whatever i want to be bing crosby and I, I i think it's cheaper to like smoke good tobacco and not have like a throat burn because otherwise you know if you buy like a cheap cigar it's like gonna i don't know if it's like not it's not as tightly rolled or something like that i think it's gonna you know it'll get a little bit hot on you um I'm nothing against cigars, but I think just as a as a more economical alternative, and then you also get an excuse to play with a Zippo pipe lighter. So anyhow, that's been a lot of good for my reading to keep me awake during reading. Just go outside and uh, puff away on the pipe, and so yeah, I can hardly recommend that. Okay, well, uh, like I said, um, sorry for no guests this week, uh, but this is maybe a good chance for me to see what my guests are going through um, when they try to get their picks down and a good chance for me to spout off about some things I want to talk about so I don't take up uh, time in the guests app. Uh, but yeah, okay. So should have another guest on in uh, two weeks' time. And uh, yeah, cheers. All the best and uh, hope to talk to you again. Bye.
side. 